Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. morning and welcome to Old Providence Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church. We are simply delighted that the Lord has brought all of us together this morning to worship him, for he alone is worthy. And I welcome you, whether you are a first-time visitor or a returning friend of the church, a lifelong member, or someone in between all of these things. It doesn't matter who you are. It is the Lord that has brought us here today, and I'm so happy that he did. Now, before we get into worship, let me just point you to your bulletin. Lots of things are going on, like preparations for Vacation Bible School, which starts in one week, one week from tonight. But I'm going to let my beautiful wife, Amanda, talk to you about that. So come on up here. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> I hope that you all are doing well and excited. We are one week away from Vacation Bible School, and it's all coming together. So um, if you have questions, please see me. Um, we do have a meeting directly after the service right here in the sanctuary um, for uh, workers, people who are helping with Vacation Bible School. It'll be very short. Um, but I have something really exciting that I want to tell you about. Today at 4 p.m., we are going to be practicing the songs and the hand motions and um, just kind of working out the, you know, the um, details of getting the slideshow to work and all that. But I would love it if you wanted to come and listen to the songs and learn the songs and the hand motions ahead of time. We would love for you to come and do that. It's open to everybody. Um, just know we're going to be working out the kinks of everything, um, but it'll be a fun time to practice the songs ahead of time and um, practice the hand motions together before next week. So that's at four o'clock today. Um, and then we start Vacation Bible School a week from today um, at 5.30. So please be in prayer. We're very excited. Um, if your children um, here are here today and you want to pre-register them, there should be a form in the bulletin. Um, please go ahead and do that. That way, when you come the first first night, you don't have to worry about all that stuff. So, all right. Uh, let me know if you have questions. Someone asked me something today about Vacation Bible School, and my response was, you are asking the wrong Malfrus. I'm not the guy to ask, ask my wife. She, uh, she knows what she's doing. But thank you so much, dear, and thank you in advance to all of you who are going to be working so hard. Thank you to all those who have been working so hard already to make things happen. Now, um, there are other things going on in your bulletin that I'm going to let you find, things like women's ministries, their Bible study. There is no youth group tonight. It's summer, so we're meeting every other week. But again, you can find all of that stuff in there. When we pray, we're going to be praying for Vacation Bible School, obviously. We'll continue to pray for Kenny Earman, who is now in skilled care, right, on the first floor of the hospital. Things are, are moving in the right direction, so that's a praise. But also we're going to be in prayer for Kathy Trout, who had to go into the hospital due to levels of potassium and sodium and She's in the heart care unit right now. They're going to move her out of that. Things are moving in the right direction, but they're still trying to figure out everything that's going on. So please do be in prayer for Kathy as well. Now, uh, we have a special thing for us at this time. We have special music this morning, and so I'll call on our men to come forward and offer that for us.
Thank you so very much, man. What a wonderful message and what a wonderful way to prepare our hearts for worship. Let's continue to do that now as Donna leads us in the prelude. Thank you so much, Donna. Our call to worship today comes from the Psalms. It's Psalm 96, and it says, Sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. Bless His name. Proclaim His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations. His wondrous works among all peoples. For the Lord is great and highly praised. He is feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. My friends, in this time where we are presented with this idea again and again that it doesn't really matter who you worship as long as you're a spiritual person. We talked about this not too long ago. We see that the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, of Isaac and Jacob, our God, our God reigns. And he alone is worthy of, play, of praise and, and honor and glory. And so I hope that now as we come into this time of worship, that this is your focus, that he alone is worthy. And out of his love, as we've just heard, it's out of his love that he has called us here to worship him. Let's now go to our Lord in prayer, after which we'll pray the Lord's Prayer together and then confess the Apostles' Creed. But let's go to him now. Our God and our Father, as we come into this time we praise you already for the words of testimony that we have heard concerning you whether it's in song lifting up the fact that you love us so that calvary points to your love to us or for us or, or it's from your word here that you are great and worthy of praise that you are above all other gods and goddesses and idols they're worthless and you reign oh father as we come into this time help us to remember these things Help us also to appreciate these things, knowing that you have worked out all things to bring us to this moment. So please, guide us in this time that we would worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray all these things in Christ's name, and we pray also as he taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now as we say the Apostles' Creed together, let me ask you, Christian, what is it that you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, 
who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen indeed. Now let's continue our worship by standing, taking our hymnals. The words, of course, are on the screen as we sing, O worship the King, all glorious above. Number 26 in your hymn. be seated and children come join me down front. Come on down. Let's see here. Oh well we got a lot here. Alright this way over here. Over here. We're gonna have to move it over here. Come on guys. 
This is a good problem to have. All righty. Scooch in the yard. Scooch in the yard. Here we go. There's one. You got your, oh, here we go. Down here. We got you down here. There we go. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Uh, There's a delayed response. Let's try again. We'll get them all together. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Oh, that was so nice. It's so good to see everybody today. I hope that you all had a wonderful week and that you are having a good summer. And I hope that you are excited about Vacation Bible School, which is one week from today. Now, I'm excited about that, but I'm excited about something else because a big day is coming this week, isn't it? Today's July the 2nd. Is anything important coming up this week? July the 4th, and what is July the 4th? It's the 4th of July. Yes, that is. It is. <laughs> You're exactly right. There's another name for it. It's called Independence Day, right? Independence Day. It's the day that we celebrate America and our independence as a nation. Now, I don't know about you, but I hope that you feel the same way that I do. I'm so happy, and I'm so thankful to be an American, and I'm so thankful for all the wonderful things that God has done for our country, because you know he has, right? God has blessed us as a nation in so many ways, and I hope that you're grateful too. The reality is, is that people all over the world want to come to America, because this is still what they call the land of opportunity. It means if you work hard, you can build a life for yourself here. But even though America is a wonderful place, and I believe it's the greatest country in the history of countries, we still have some problems as a country. We, we have lots of people who are hurting and upset. Things happen in our country that don't make God very happy at all. They're not pleasing to God, and we still need God's blessing. But did you know that God makes a promise in his word about blessing nations? I want you all to listen to this. This is what God said to Solomon. It's in 2 Chronicles. God said this. He said, If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now, God was talking about ancient Israel here, right? But even so, the promise applies to all of God's people across all time. God promises us that if we humble ourselves, what humble means, it means the opposite of being humble is thinking that we don't need God, that we're just good by ourselves. But if we'll humble ourselves, and if we'll pray, and if we'll turn away from sin, then God will heal, heal, hear our prayer, and he will heal our land. Now, the reason I'm telling you guys this is because sometimes people get things confused, right? They think that something else or someone else can help and bring healing to America and to the world around us. But only God can really fix our problems as a nation. Only God can fix our problems in the world. So I want you to remember, whether it's our nation that you're praying for or yourself that you're praying for, to be humble, right? To remember how much you need the Lord, to ask Him to forgive you of your sins, and to trust in Him, and He will hear you. Let me pray. Our Father, I thank you for these children. I pray that you would help them to remember now, to learn now and remember later to turn to you first. As a nation, oh, Father, that we would do the same, that we would humble ourselves, repent of our sins, turn away from them and turn to you, and then you would bring healing. While we wait, 
Help us to be faithful. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, y'all can go. Now, with these things in mind as they're being dismissed, let's go to our Lord in silent prayer, and then I'll lead us in the pastoral prayer. Eternal God and Heavenly Father, oh, that we would remember, that we would remember and come to you again and again, humbling ourselves, seeking your face, turning away from sin, and trusting in you. Whether it is what we have read in your word thus far, what we have lifted up in song, or even in this short portion with the children just now, we are reminded how much we need you. The alternative to turning to you is on display all around us. We are a nation that is full of wondering and wandering, it seems, and yet you reign. And not only do you reign, you have saved a people for yourself and you are building your church. Father, in our remembrance of these things, let us also remember to be the lights in the world that you have called us to be. Showing forth truth, yes, exposing lies also, and revealing the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ to a world that seems to be looking for every remedy, for every fix, for every philosophy that they can find other than turning to you. Father, let us be those that exhibit your love. Let us be those who point others to you, not only in deed, but in word. Give us courage. Give us a sense of urgency. Let us be ready, as your word says, to give the reason for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And in so doing, please bring change. Real change, not the change that is promised. Not the change that is peddled. That isn't change at all, but but real change, rooted in spiritual conviction, rooted in repentance, and a nation full of wanderers and wanderers, let, let them turn to you and let it start with us. As we consider the challenges to these things, we know that life has its difficulties. We face physical illness. We think of Kenny right now and Kathy as well, and we pray that you would be with them and restore them to good help soon. We face other challenges as well, challenges such as loss, hurt, heartache. We pray for those who are mourning today, whether it's the recent loss of a loved one, or maybe it's been some time, but grief doesn't work on the same clock that the rest of things do. Please bring healing and comfort and peace. 
Or maybe it is conviction that we need. Please bring that as well. Oh, correction in your mercy. But whatever it is, Father, please bring it so that we would turn away from our own desires and focus on what you want for us, which really is the only way we'll be happy anyway. Forgive us for the times that we've missed this. Work in our hearts anew that we would have resolve to seek your face. We pray this not only for ourselves, we pray it for your church, for those that we are united to in Christ. And we pray that in seeing these things, the world again would be changed. As I prayed with the children, so I pray again, while we wait on you, let us be found among the faithful, turning to you again and again, not just thinking, but knowing that you hear our prayers and that you will work. In light of these things, we praise you, Father, and we thank you for, for all that you have done, for all that you are doing, and for all that you will yet do. And we pray all of these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now let us continue our worship by standing and this time taking the green Bible song book. It's number 156. Again, the words are on the screen as we sing, Christ shall have dominion, and indeed he shall. Please stand with me.
Let's go to our Lord. Our God and our Father, as we have just lifted up, Christ shall have dominion, and indeed dominion is his. Everything has been placed under his feet, and so everything comes from you. And now as we return to you from that which you've given to us, I pray that you would bless the gift. I pray that you would bless the giver. I pray that these funds would be used in accordance with your will and for your kingdom. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Be seated.
Thank you so much, choir. Those are two of my favorites, and you might say two. Well, the offertory was All the Way My Savior Leads Me, which is one of my absolute favorites. Uh, whatever befall me, uh, the idea that Jesus is there leading us all the way, doesn't matter what happens. But also, how firm a foundation, but it strikes me that last verse, you know, we're in this time where people say, I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. We're in this time uh, of, of a really weird spot where there's no such thing as absolute truth, but there's a lot of absolutes out there. And people say, oh no, I'll, I'll always stand for this, or I'll never forsake that, and I'll do this, and I'll do that. But the source of our being faithful is at the beginning of the verse, that soul that on Jesus hath leaned for repose. And this idea that I'll never forsake, we're all Peter, right? No, Lord, I'll never betray you. On our own, that's who we are. We can make grand statements, but we don't have the follow-through. It's only through the power of Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, that we will stand. So thank you very much, choir. Well, for those of you who may not have been worshiping with us this summer prior to today, and for those of you who have but might have forgotten, during the summer we move away from our more regular series and other books of the Bible, and instead we focus on the Psalms. Now, why the Psalms? Well, there's a practical reason for this. It's summertime, right? Folks are traveling, things are going on, and the Psalms, while it is one book of the Bible, each Psalm is separate from the other. They're freestanding. So you can miss a week and it's not the end of the world in terms of understanding the series. But also there's another practical reason, and it's what I've said every week. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's a psalm for every occasion, right? It really is. And, and this too makes the psalms very practical as they speak to the spectrum of human existence, really. They touch on every facet of life. The psalms point to who God is and who we should be also. The Psalms speak to all sorts of realities about the world around us. And the beauty of the Psalms is that in doing so, we're directed time and time again to what's really important, to what really matters, and how we ought to live in light of these things. Such is the case with the Psalm that we come to today, which is Psalm 146. So go ahead and take your Bibles and turn there with me, Psalm 146. I'm actually using the Pew Bible that you have in front of you, the, the New International Version, the NIV Version. It's on the right-hand side of the page, so go ahead and turn there with me. I think it, it says better here. I think it's the best translation of Psalm 146. But as you turn there, it's in Psalm 146 that we find a glorious principle and teaching for any day, any day at all but one that is incredibly appropriate given what weekend it is. The fact that it is the 4th of July weekend. Now, hear me on this. While we should celebrate our nation's independence, while we should glory in what the Lord has done in causing our nation's meteoric rise, and it's to God's glory and to God's credit alone that we have come to where we are as a nation, we should also remember the teaching of God's word as it relates not only to us here in America, but as it relates to all Christians everywhere across all time. So, Psalm 146. First we will pray, and then we will begin reading in verse 1. But let's go to our Lord now. Our God and our Father, as we come to you, we pray that you would guide us in this time, in this passage especially, that tells us what we ought to do in light of where we are and what we should not do. We need your help equally to see both. Work in our hearts now. Please guide us by your Holy Spirit so that the lights would be turned on, so that we could see we, this is a spiritual time. It's not just academic. 
and so, Father, because it's a spiritual time, we need your help spiritually. So please, work in our hearts, work in our minds. Let us see the truth of your word, yes, but also how it applies to us. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So Psalm 146, beginning in verse 1, hear now the word of the Lord. It says, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes and mortal men who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, the Lord who remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the alien and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. And we'll stop reading right there. May God bless the reading of his holy, inerrant, and infallible word. Amen and amen. So I did the math 247 years ago. What would become the United States declared its independence from the tyranny of British monarchy and thus began the formulation of what I at least believe is the greatest nation in the history of nations. And the message for us today from God's word, in light of our nation and all nations, I don't think could be any clearer from what we just read. But first, let's ponder something in order to really understand what we just read and how it applies. My question is, how did we get here? Now, I know the historical bit, and you do too. I just referred to it. We, we declared independence from Britain and entered into war, ultimately winning our independence, right? But that's not the here that I'm talking about. I want to be real with you. And again, I, I'm not denying the history. The history is very important. Did you know that the American Revolution was called a Presbyterian Rebellion at first? It's fascinating. 80% of all colonels in the colonial army were Presbyterian elders. A lot of people don't know that. But nevertheless, that's a side thing. I'm not denying that, but I think there's something more pressing for us today. When I talk about the here that we're at, I'm not talking about getting here in terms of history. This is the here that I'm talking about. I'm talking about at this point in our nation, the, the protest, the confusion, the immorality, the, the strife and the discord and the backbiting and the division and the downright craziness. How did we get here? And it is crazy. You know, y'all know about this stuff. And, and, and you could pick any number of examples of just the things that are going on. And it makes you scratch your head and wonder, what is happening? How, how did we get here? You know, uh, uh, this, this whole idea of, 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 of the fact that it's Pride Month, right? The, the multiple genders, all these different things are happening. That, that's definitely true. The fact that it is embraced nationwide it's embraced in the church how did we get here let me ask you did you ever think that we would be in a time like we are now where we see these gigantic protests demanding the right to murder babies up until the moment of birth 
Did you ever think there would be so much intrigue and, and wars and rumors of wars and what's going on in the Ukraine and what's going on in Russia? Let's be a little bit more practical. Do you ever think you'd see eggs for eight, fifteen, a dozen? Right, or eight teeth or whatever it is. I mean, come on, y'all. I could go on and on and talking about the here that we've become. But in two days, we are going to celebrate the 4th of July and enjoy the freedom that we have. But if we're honest, the here that we have come to really sort of taints things, doesn't it? As one person said to me this morning, we're even at the stage where we wonder how much longer are these freedoms going to be around? Again, how did we get here? Well, there's a, there's a long answer and there's a short answer. I'll give you the short one first. Sin, right? We talked about this a few weeks ago. Sin is how we got here. The, the longer answer, I think, that applies to us, especially in the United States, applies to the whole world for that matter, but is what Scripture says in Romans 1. It says, for God's wrath is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Don't we live in a time that suppresses the truth? Now, suppressing the truth doesn't just mean not telling the truth. Suppressing the truth also means warping the truth into something that it isn't really at all. Paul continues, verse 19, Since what can be known about God is evident among them, because God has shown it to them, for his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the beginning of the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. And then Paul would go on to talk about how even though people know there's a God, even though God's law is written on people's hearts, they deny him and they worship the things of this world instead of him. And so we find out in verse 24, therefore, God delivered them over. God delivered them over in the desire of their hearts to sexual impurity so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. And ultimately, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And worshiped and served that which has been created instead of the creator who is praised forever. Y'all, how did we get here? We're living in Romans 1, which basically says that you can look at creation, you know there's a God, but we've denied him. And we're at that stage in history where God is pouring out his wrath as a result of this. It was true 2,000 years ago when Romans 1 was written, and it's true today. But that's the easy part. We, we can talk all day long about what's wrong with the world, what's wrong with our country. But God has called us to do much more than talk and just be angry or be miserable. He's called us to do so much more than just focus on the bad. And isn't that easy to do? Just walk around like a bunch of walking minus signs, just being upset about what's going on. No, God's called us to more than that. The question is, what are we to do? Well, we've read it already, haven't we? What does our passage say? Starting in verse 1, it's very clear. It says, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. You know, there's a reason that the psalmist begins this way. Instead of being filled with despair, anger, frustration, worry over the future and what's going to happen to America, uh, and again, the, the media sensationalizes so much stuff, right? They're trying to sell something. God says, push that aside. Focus on praise. That's what we're to do. And, and don't we have reason to praise God, not just as individuals, but as a nation as well? 
Even though this passage was written almost 2,000 years ago, consider what it says, or or 3,000, I should say. Consider what it says about who God is and what he still does. We read it already, but verse 7, it says that God still upholds the cause of the oppressed. He still cares for the hungry. Verse 8, the Lord still heals people. The Lord exalts people in humble circumstances. The Lord still loves the righteous. And we know that the righteous here are those who place their faith in Christ because we don't have any righteousness on our own. The only righteousness we have is in Jesus. God still loves his people. He's still building his church. According to verse 9, God still watches over the alien. And no, not the flying saucer alien, the foreigners, right? And and I know that this is politically charged, but realize the connotation of ancient Israel and how foreigners, how, how aliens work. There were no national borders per se. There were only people groups and, and territories. So, so do take that into account. But the principle remains that God comes to the aid of those who need him. And we all need him. That's the point here, you see. God still comes to the aid of children without parents, widows who have lost their husbands, God God still frustrates the wicked. You know what that means? It means that God restrains wickedness and keeps the plans of the wicked from coming to fruition. Now, you might hear that and you might say, are you sure about that? Because look at the world around you. Well, you tell me. In this age of nuclear warfare where we have weapons that make the bombs dropped in Hiroshima and Nagasaki look like pop rocks, The only reason the world around you is not one giant ball of glass is because the Lord still restrains the wicked. And if you need more evidence, look at this thing in Russia and Ukraine, this this recent uprising. The fact that nuclear weapons haven't been used is due to God's grace alone. So in light of all these things, going back to verses 1 and 2, we ought to praise the Lord. Pretty much all of Psalm 146 details what God is doing and why we ought to be praising him for it. And it culminates in verse 10, which says, The Lord reigns forever, your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. In light of Independence Day and all the challenges that we face as a nation, what are we supposed to do? Praise the Lord, that's what. Thank God for being who he is. Praise his name with your life, in your prayers. Praise his name with your mouth. What he has done in your life. I've said it before, I'll say it again. We overcomplicate evangelism so much by turning it into some kind of program or this or that or the other. You know what, you know what, offering, uh, you know what evangelism really is? It's offering testimony. What does somebody do when they offer testimony? They just say what they saw. They say what happened to them. That's what God calls you to do. And that in itself is an act of praise. I know what's going on out there. I know it's frustrating. I know it's mystifying. I know it's often frightening. But in praising the Lord, realize also how our chapter ends here, Psalm 146. It ends with the solid message that our God reigns. And he's going to reign forever and ever. We know that no matter how much, is God, how much God is mocked, no matter how much Jesus is made fun of and denied, no matter how much God's word is trampled, we know that Philippians 2, 10, and 11 is true. 
and that it's going to happen. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is a guarantee. But if you're so focused on the bad things that are happening, if you're so focused on being afraid, if you're focused on things supposedly falling apart and things that are falling apart, it's easy to miss the praise aspect. Instead of living like angry people who've been defeated, we need to remember how everything ends and that God has already won the victory. There are battles. There are battles. But ultimately the war is over. It doesn't mean that we won't have strife now. But God is in control. Our God reigns both on a national and international scale and in your everyday life no matter what you're facing and we ought to live like it. That's the message here. Our appropriate response to everything else that happens no matter what it is is to praise God remembering what he's done. That's what we're supposed to do. But here's the next question. What are we not to do? in light of where we are as a nation, in light of what's going on in life. If you followed closely to what I did, you'll notice that I covered every other verse in Psalm 146, except for verses 3 and following. What do they say? I'm going to read them again, but it's your job to hear them in light of everything else that's said in Psalm 146. It's your responsibility to hear them in light of God being in charge and our responsibility to praise Him and to testify to His greatness. What are we not supposed to do about the problems of our nation and our own challenges and trials? Do not, verse 3, do not put your trust in princes, in mortal men who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob whose hope is in the Lord his God, the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, the Lord who remains faithful forever. My friends, beloved of God, citizens of the kingdom of God, and probably most of you of these United States, hear me now. While exercising civic responsibility is ever so important, while we are called to be good citizens, and I believe participate in the development of our society through voting, through holding office from time to time, the answer to America's problems is not princes and it's not politics. Some of the reason I believe that we've gotten to where we are as a nation is because somewhere along the way, folks confused God and government looking to princes, as verse 3 says, looking to princes, mortal men who cannot save, quoting verse 3, to provide our hope and our help. Folks look to the government, to elected officials, for happiness, for blessings, for prosperity, for deliverance. Politicians are elected every cycle by promising things like hope and change. When our hope ought to be in the God of Jacob. Or they promise to make America great again. When we ought to remember to God be the glory, great things he hath done. Or they even promise things like they're going to build back better. And we're tempted to forget that our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That's the state of things. Here we are. 
What does God's word say in light of these promises? It says, blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, the Lord who reigns faithful forever. Do you see how God is set up against mankind here? How God is set up against, in fact, everything other than himself for that matter. There is only one who is eternal. There is only one who truly reigns. And it is God our Father ordaining and maintaining all things. It is Christ our brother who is seated at God's right hand waiting for his enemies to be made a footstool for his feet. It is the Holy Spirit who proceeds from both to accomplish the will of both through you and me. God is the one who gets the credit. God is the one we should trust and serve. God is the one who brought our nation from a bunch of colonies to the most powerful and benevolent nation on earth. And what we ought to be saying is to God be the glory. But if you want to know what to not to do and what to do, it, it, it's time to start remembering these things. For it's in this remembrance that we find real hope for the future. It's in this proclamation, in our testimony to others about God's greatness, that hearts will really be changed. And it is through God alone that our nation can be turned around. We don't have a money problem. We don't have a politics problem. We, we, we don't have a physical problem. We've got a spiritual problem. And we need spiritual help. That help can only come from the God of Jacob. Now, in closing, I, I recognize that today I've said some controversial things. In this day and age where people really do believe that, that politics and politicians are the answer to all of our problems, that if... That if my person wins, fill in the blank office and everything's going to be fine again. It's my hope that I have sufficiently offended everyone. I'm an equal opportunity offender, okay? But forget about me. What I've tried to do is point you to the truth of God's word. That says your answer does not come in people. Your peace does not come from people. It, it comes from the prince of peace. Jesus is the answer. If he, if, if you belong to him, if he's in your heart, live like it. Trust him more and more. Let others see that trust and tell them why. But if you don't have him, turn to him today. Come to me and, and talk. I'll be under the portico after. I, I want to talk to you about this. It's the most important decision you will ever make. It is of such vast importance because it is only Christ that will redeem you from this pattern of the world that devours itself. We see it all around us. And it is only in Christ that we find hope. Remember the Lord, both now close to when we celebrate our independence and into the future. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, we thank you for your word, for its calling. That while important things happen regarding politics and, and voting is of vast importance in our nation and all of these things are important and they, Father, work in our hearts and convict us about these things. But do not, Father, please don't let these things take your place in our hearts and in our minds. Don't let us be like the rest of the world that places its open princes and mortal men who as soon as they die, all their promises die with them. Let us trust in you alone. 
And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Now as we close this time together, let's take our hymnals and turn to 339 as we sing that great hymn, Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah. Please stand with me as we sing hymn 339. Receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace, both now and forevermore. Amen.